Hello and welcome to Gears Action Growth. In this episode, Dr. Ian Butterworth speaks to architect Catherine McPherson, American-born and now in Melbourne, Australia, about what's next for her after a long career in workplace and community architecture, strategy and organisational dynamics. She's looking at her third act and exploring what she wants to do as a mature worker and why it matters. This is the first in a series of conversations about how we leverage the skills and expertise of those wiser, older workers that we call WOWs. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation. Today, we're going to be discussing a topic that's close to my heart. Um, and I suspect many Australian citizens who are reaching what's called the third act the third stage of their careers. Um, we are an aging society. Um, there's a talent shortfall. There's a lot of work that needs to get done. But are we leveraging the skills and expertise of those members who are ready and willing to enter their third career, which we will discuss shortly what that means? What do they need and how can organisations leverage what Josie and I uh, cleverly discussed, uh, decided we're wise older workers or WOWs for the benefit of both the individual, the organisational, the community and society at large. So it's my great pleasure to introduce Catherine McPherson, um, an architect with international and national experience in workplace architecture, whom I had the good fortune to meet a month or so ago uh, at a seminar in Melbourne for one of my very favourite people, um, a, a learned scholar in the field of healthy built environments um, and when Catherine and I began chatting we realized we shared this interest in uh, the built environment in in good organizational practice and in creating what I like to call the good society um, and here we are Catherine and I met for a beer and uh, we thought it'd be fantastic for Catherine to meet with Josie and myself to to talk about Catherine's perspectives as someone who has had multiple careers um, but is also exploring this third act, the third stage of, of one's professional life. Catherine, um, would you like to just introduce yourself um, a little bit? I don't want to speak about you with while, while we're sort of sitting in the same room, so I'd love to hear about you. Thanks, Ian. It's um... My pleasure to actually be here and to have met you in that serendipitous moment. And it seems increasingly like I've had some serendipitous moments. And um, a lot of that has actually um, uh, come about by work in, um, in Guildford Lane, where I have a, um, a home office now and that's all the rage um, post-pandemic but uh, when um, when I moved into the lane with my partner 20 years ago the lane was a very um, very qu uh, quiet back road place in the city and and um, you know sort of full of motorcycles and that was at a that was actually um, at a time as you you know as you said where um, my life, I think, was starting to change. Um, I arrived in Australia back in '82 as a as a young architect, 
And um, I think that was one of the significant things that, you know, happened in my life was the journey from the US to Australia. And and it was an quite an important event because it was I wasn't sure at the time whether I was actually spreading my wings or or running away, you know, and if I was running away, what was I running from or what was I running to? <laughs> and it was a a really wonderful period of of growth and and challenge. Um, literally, my world was turned upside down as a Midwest American girl. Um, I had to re in and having just graduated in architecture, but I had to relearn so many things, and I think that's probably where the relearning actually started. Um, you know, simple things were no longer simple. Just measurements, whether it was at home um, baking pumpkin pies, because today's Thanksgiving. Yes, happy at the Thanksgiving. Moment. Yeah, that's right. Um, so whether it was in the home, um, trying to fit in and be a good homemaker, as was my, um, you know, sort of family culture, or in the, you know, in the professional environment, um, learning to to uh, work from imperial to metric, learning um, different landscapes, different trees. Uh, yeah, um, it, the changes are huge and it's really quite interesting because sometimes the things that you just assume that you you know and understand around language, you know, we speak the same language, right? Well, we actually don't. And so um, it's the subtleties and it's, you know, paying attention to the detail, which again is so important in an architectural profession. You learn to, to be critical, to, um, you know, to have a curious mind and to, to research because no no project you know like no life is 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 or should be the same um yeah so um i traveled um in australia as a a young architect i got registered and found my way down the east coast um i was in brisbane um initially mm -hmm. and then worked in um very fortunate to have worked while a practice if I can name names, uh, BVN, Plyvel or Neald, uh, was growing. And it was such a wonderful uh, experience to be able to uh, use what became, you know, my expertise in, in workplace interior design or workplace architecture and help them uh, grow the practice as a young architect using workplace as an an entree, if you will, into uh, new markets in Canberra and in Sydney, and then um, really wonderf wonderfully being able to contribute then to large major projects when they when they came up in that environment. Um, it's been it's been so rich and so rewarding. Yeah, and then um, I don't know whether we need the whole potted history of my career, but um, there was a. A, uh, a, a key project um, which was really really quite pivotal and um, not just in in my professional um, area but also in you know for me personally but also for much of workplace architecture in Australia uh, because John Voller had the foresight of inviting um, Frank Duffy from DGW 
to to submit on a project, um, which is Australia Square. And that Australia Square project, which was won by BVN at the time, became quite quite pivotal in uh, Australian workplace architecture as well. And we kind of came became the go-to project, which then um, was the was the model for innovative workplace in Australia. Uh, from that went Campus MLC, and there was a whole you know sort of network of projects then um, where it really changed the way that people worked and challenged um, so much. And and I was able to in that in that time see how others worked because a whole team was was actually brought up brought out from um, partly from the UK some people were grabbed from other parts of Australia so the practice was actually assembling you know an international um, cohort. so there was yeah. some amazing serendipity of you arriving in Australia as this bright young thing uh, with all of these skills um, I imagine Australia would have I, I think Australia has a love has a love affair with Americans. I imagine you would have been sought out for your expertise. You would have been included. Did you did you experience much uh, gender or cultural um, resistance at that stage of your life? I found resistance as a female in Australia, mm-hmm. uh, definitely, and it hit me. It really did hit me between the eyes. Um, it was something that I wasn't expecting. Wow. Um, and because you have to remember this is 82 mm-hmm. when I arrived. And there was a recession on and um, people said, well, you're lucky. Your husband has an architect, has a, has a job, you know. So, um, you know, just go bake cakes or whatever it is that you need to do. <laughs> at the God. time and and it made it made the assimilation or, or you know finding my place in this country very difficult mm-hmm. uh, at that time so but I had been working since the age of 14 and wow. um, had uh, traveled and I thought well that's not actually going to let stop me from doing anything and so you know you find work you find work using the skills that you uh, the other skills that you had. You know, they I'm thinking be... visually here. I'm thinking yeah. of a career in three acts, and uh, you are yeah. you are the young. Uh, what's the term? You're not an understudy. You you've just won the role, and you're walking out onto the stage, having yeah. learnt your lines, and uh, you find maybe the audience isn't quite what you were expecting. But nevertheless, you 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 launch into the role. When when do you th- when do you think your first act then became the second act? How would you describe the second act? Because I guess the first right. act is establishing the story, establishing the character arc, um, setting the scene for you know a, a plot device where maybe there's uh, some intrigue or something happens. Where, where do you think Act One then became Act Two? How would you define that? Well, Act you know, certainly um, act two comes when when you've actually, as you said, you've learned the lines, you, you feel confident in that role and you want another one. 
you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, don't know whether that's greed or whether that's just a natural progression <laughs> because it wasn't, <laughs> it was just, I want more, you know, I want uh-huh. more, this isn't enough. And I, I want to sit at the table with the boys. I just don't want to play games with them. I actually uh-huh. want to sit at the table. And that was hard. And finding the, um, finding the right place in which I could do that, um, mm-hmm. have skin in the game, mm. meant that I had to change and I had to, you know, I had to actually leave where I was at the time and then um, move to another practice where I could uh, feel the pain, actually, of being a, a company director and shareholder. Wow. Uh, to grow more in, in a new role, um, management and leadership in architecture was very traditional, like the traditional, at the time, like the traditional um, structures. And, it, and it's very much, um, architecture often uh, is a family type business model based on, you know, trust structures. All the partners are equal because it's a creative industry. And at that time, the industry um, was only starting to play with the ideas of, of, um, having an ex say an external CEO or you know what are the skill sets missing at the table to make us viable as a business um, so my second act was actually being in an organization that was um, that allowed me in for my um, skills and then um, within that experience they were transitioning from the um, partnership model to more of a corporate model and I got to experience what that was like culturally but as a director and shareholder there was pain and there was incredible growth as I learned you know what it's like to actually be also an extern and once again I was an outsider okay because I mm. hadn't um, in this particular organization I hadn't actually um, been part of their growth and I was filling a role that others had been offered but didn't want to fill and as as and only an outsider could have taken on that role because you didn't you know it was what you didn't know um, that became the you know the pain points as well as where I grew you know I'm interested yeah um what is intriguing me about this discussion is it sounds like your act two was quite transformative and transcendental in a way that once you began act two, act one almost had no relevance for you anymore. It was transformative and you, you'd walk through a portal and your new world was completely different to the other one, although you couldn't have got to act two without doing act one. A, a bit like the rocket with the stage one falling off uh, as you enter, you know, the moon's orbit or whatever. That is just the perfect analogy. Yeah, yeah. And it was act. It, it, that's absolutely correct. So there's, they're stepping stones, but, they, mm-hmm. but they're so disruptive. You mm-hmm. know, they are so disruptive. And, and individually, it causes you to grow and to think and to step back. Mm. And say, well, it is like the chrysalis. The it is yeah. like the moth, uh, the you know, the caterpillar to the butterfly in a way. It's, it's transformative. What about now? Like, would you would you say that you're in Act Three? I would, because the um, transition once again between Act Two and Act Three was 
incredibly disruptive. I realized that um, having achieved a particular uh, role or status within an organization and understanding what the responsibility is, then I realized that the culture of the organization, the very, um, you know, sort of the social fabric and the glue, there was a, a misalignment of my own, who I had be, who I had become, or maybe who I was wasn't wasn't a fit. So unraveling all of that, literally pulling it apart, and um, then stitching a new me back together meant you know leaving something I had invested in so incredibly and taken a leap of faith, and invested in you know sort of financially as well. So that period of unraveling and chain, you know, sort of really questioning was when, um, like, I had a gap. I may have had a gap year. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I went in search, and what I did was I revert. I reverted to what I knew, which was I need to re-educate myself in a really um, structured way. That the self-help approach and just going to books. Um, as was my family culture, wasn't enough. And that's when I, I did a master's in organization dynamics. And, um, but that was from a, a system psychoanalytic approach. Which and I just love the fact you've done this. When did, you, when did Act 3 begin for you? So that was almost 10 years ago. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, almost 10 years ago. But it was so disruptive that at the time, um, it was, am I really sure I want to do this? Because I'm not even sure I know myself anymore. Um, the experiential learning, however, um, was so powerful that it, I feel like it is a rocket booster, you know? And now after the 10 years of what I would call, um, if I can borrow from a coaching program, um, composting and weaving that I have been doing with my own life um, and trying to extract that, you know, the juicy bits and work out what I'm going to now thread together. I feel like um, there are more serendipitous moments and that I am starting to, you know, li you know, live and, and take more risks, but be a little bit, um, I guess, you know, perhaps it's it's being a bit more discerning now about what it is that you want to do and, and more focused and more playful. All the things, you know, I think, I think um, it's like being a teenager again for mm -hmm. me. That, so what questions are you exploring right now about this stage of your life? Where do I want to be? Where do I want to live? How do I want to spend my time? I, I feel as if our greatest gift that we can give to each other is seeing one another and taking time to actually just be. Mm -hmm. And you can't put a price on that. You can't really put a price on that. So what this means for me is 
reevaluating where I live, where I spend my time, the projects that I want to work on. Yeah, yeah. And with who? Um, I think you're the only architect that I've ever met that's done a Master of Organisational Dynamics. I'd love to learn just briefly how you bring those two worlds together. And I'm imagining that this is your main contribution during Act 3 is, is, is the organisational uh, relationships and, and dynamics and cultures that you experience working in an architectural practice. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I can try. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there is one other woman that um, has a, a degree and she is like a mentor to me. She's in London mm -hmm. and she wrote a book which I would like to mention called Design Through Dialogue. And uh, she basically paved the way, so I am not uh, um, original in that space. But I think like with, with any um, aspect of your, your life or your career or the, you know, the third act, you know, one of the, th one of the things that matters is actually having a coach, a mentor, a sponsor, and those are all different things, you know, to different people, depending on how you take up, um, how you think about that. But in my, in my profession and with the culture that I grew up in, um, there weren't a lot at the time. And now there are, are many, now there are more, there are many more uh, people that are, that are actually taking the time to, um, to invest in women and also um, in maybe in the underdog and, and to, to look and see others more or differently. And I think that there has been a, a significant shift um, in how we see ourselves, our family, our community since the pandemic, if there's anything that, you know, is a positive, is is that refresh that we have had or the opportunity. Mm. And um, so to, you know, sort of to answer the question about how it has impacted the way that I do my work, I see the world uh, differently. Um, there are many different lenses. I understand um, who I am um, more from um, a, what we would call a system and role perspective. I have a greater appreciation of my own biases and what I would bring into a project. So, and even into a group, you know, um, what it means is that you can sit with the mess the world is such a complex place these days mm -hmm. and architecture is complex, designing is complex, creating and, and there are so many, you know, different ways to a, approach um, both little and big projects and it often takes, you know, 
multiple inputs now and many layers, whether you're working with government agencies or communities, um, whether the project's big or small, like even a small project like my community building project that it's become in Guildford Lane, you know, the level of working with, you know, a local government, it's a pilot project, you know, being able to, to, um, to accept a longer time frame, to accept that it wasn't going to go smoothly, to accept that, that um, it would be a bit different than you imagined, but that you were, you know, this was something that you were doing in conjunction with other, you know, with other people, it was a pilot. So what do you, you know, what do you do? So um, what do you do to review that, to, to do what we would call in architecture, a post project or a post occupancy evaluation, you know, and those things take time and, and yeah. I, this is probably a topic for a whole other podcast, but I often wonder what an architectural practice comprised only of women would be designing. Uh, one of my all-time great heroes was Dame Zaha Hadid, and I was devastated when she passed away. I just found her work so extraordinarily creative and sinuous and so unlike the other archetype that I have, which is um, Howard Rourke, the um, Anne Rand's architect who blew up that postmodern building. Yeah. Have you seen that black and white movie? It's quite fantastic. I have but in seen. terms of... In terms of uh, the psychodynamics of, of architectural practices, he was like the ultimate uh, lone ranger iconoclast who would rather go hungry and blow up uh, the building, which I thought was hilarious that that 1946 film actually presaged postmodernism. <laughs> it was quite brilliant. But Zaha Hadid could not have been more different from him and her, I, it just occurs to me that her, her form, her architectural forms were so fluid in ways that I don't know how many cisgendered men who were architects could have come up with her ideas. I don't know. Anyway, that's a, a sidebar. Um, but as you say, there's so much work to do. And I was devastated when Dame Zaha Hadid passed away because I think her work was just beginning. But um, this is the thing about the third act. Uh, you're, you're generating so much interest and engagement around a very local precinct, Guildford Lane. Um, I had lunch with a friend the other day at, uh, and he said, when are you gonna retire? And I said, there's too much work to do. Like the world's on fire. There's 8 billion of us. Uh, we're busy fighting online um how how can how can anyone possibly sit down and think i'm just going to put my feet up and consume like i think we we have an innate need to contribute and so the third act it may not be paid work necessarily but it it needs to be a life of purpose and meaning at some level would you would you what are your thoughts on that 100% that's exactly where I feel that the third act is, it's it's about finding your purpose and what makes you so unique. It's about blending everything that you can together to 
to feel alive, actually, again, to feel alive. Um, look, it's not often easy and it's possible that you can actually get lost in the journey. It mm -hmm. really is. And I know that I think, you know, I think that I went on a, through a phase where I, I felt like I was getting lost but for a, for a reason, you know, to actually find yourself again. And to say that that's okay, to say, hey, well, you know what? And that's why I said I felt like a teenager again, because the emotions were raw, you know, and the, you know, you would sort of bounce around and do different things and meet people and um, think, oh, well, I, I kind of like that, you know, or I kind of like this and I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, and so the whole idea of just exploring, um, feeling that I had actually generated enough in terms of, a, you know, a little bit of money tucked away. It's not perfect, you know. The house isn't perfect. <laughs> it's an architect's, you know, sort of little... You, you little, there's always something to do, you know. It's like the, <laughs> there's always something to do. But you know, um, I think as you and I, as you and I discussed over drinks, I mean, you and I are experiencing a quality of life that most people on the planet right now have no idea about. How do we even get there? Like, yeah. although we might um, think we might do upward comparisons and think we're not doing as well as someone else, but in fact, we are actually in an amazingly privileged position. Um. What do organisations and communities need to do to help people like us, uh, people in our age bracket, engage and contribute with meaningful work? And I'm saying that partly as someone who's applied for about 30 jobs recently just to see what's out there. And I don't know, I have a feeling like people look at my resume and join the dots and I think that there's, oh, this person's too old. But I mean... As you and I both know, we're probably at the peak of our creative power. But what 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 do we need to actually help people contribute in the third act, either in paid or unpaid work? What what's needed from your perspective? It's 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 interesting because there is no formula. There there isn't you know, there's no algorithm that's actually going to do the matchmaking for you. I think that uh Again, the serendipitous moments have in some ways shown me the way, whether whether it was, you know, the alignment of starting to green the lane with the pilot project that, that the council was doing. And then a neighbor introduced me to the Gardens for Wildlife program. And all of a sudden there was an integration of what the council wanted to do and another initiative, you know, with the council and then learning new things with, with nature and discovering, you know, that um, pollinators were important. So I think that pollinators <laughs> for your career, um, for your life are really important and um, that, that, that it's the connections that actually make you um, sort of feel alive and feel that you have purpose. It's the spark that happens when you connect with your values and you connect completely, you know, um, 
with something that you are passionate about. So curiosity, connections, and pollinators. Um, I, uh, and, and because when you go to a recruiting agency, when you're our age, they don't know what to do with you. Nine times out of 10, you have so much experience and they say, well, but you know, you're overqualified or, you know, you've heard that all before. Are you sure you would want to do this project? You know, um, and, and then they just, you know, people that would actually listen you know, um, I think that there's probably a whole market for, um, you know, the the over 60s um, joyful experience of, of in, you know, employment, you know, just in case, because there are a lot of people who, who um, are afraid to ask. They're actually afraid to say, you know what, um, I'm happy to volunteer a lot of my time to do, to put, to mentor people in my profession or to have, a, you know, engage in a community garden. But at some point with the cost of es escalating lifestyle, you know, just living now, um, you're going to have to stop giving it away. And I've had someone say to me, Catherine, you've got to stop giving it away. And I thought, well, what is that about? Is that actually about lack of respect for myself, for my skills? And and I and I thought, well, no, there is a financial aspect of that, you know. Um, but also, it was about value. You are valuable, you know, in your industry. And how do we actually value the older, wiser worker? And what does that mean to to them? Where where is value? Um, because it's a combination of things. It is time, it's flexibility. And so all of the sudden, um, you know, you, you actually think about what a young person just entering their career um, or a young family coming together and um, wanting flexibility well, how is that different to the flexibility that I want, you know, in order to spend time with my aging parents who are in the US and I need blocks of time to travel. So the exact same thing that the young generations just coming in, Z whatever alphabet it is, I want that, you know, because that's actually what I value. I value my time. I want to be respected for my skills and I want to be paid something. And it doesn't have to be a lot, but also I may need someone to help me find, you know, a, the right home and to listen to me and to look more deeply at my skill sets. You know, where are the career counselors and the people, um, that actually would help people say at a university, you know, fit or align or, or just, just listen. And where, where are they? Because I, I'm, I don't, I don't need government assistance, but I do mm -hmm. need, you know, and where do we go? I'm not sure. I, it, yeah. And there are plenty of barriers, but I guess this sounds like an enabler in the sense that imagine if there were an organization or yeah. a, a recruitment slash deployment, organization led and staffed by wise older workers for 
wise older workers. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe we've just created something. Yeah. The wow factor. <laughs> A wow factor. Because you do. You need to help. Sometimes you just need someone to listen and help you navigate those tricky times in your life again. What, what are some lessons or insights that you could forward to others based on your own journey? Um, you're clearly right in the middle of Act 3. Um, there's plenty of showstoppers to come. And the curtain certainly hasn't come down. And I'm at, oh, sorry, I'm just pushing this metaphor to death. What, what, what are some lessons, insights that you'd like to share with others? Be kind to yourself. And be kind to others. Be, try and be, be present as well. And if you have to take a time out or a gap here as part of this being kind to your, you know, being kind to yourself, then then do it, you know, um, allow yourself to 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 be curious and to have fun and to play again. I mean, that's I think that's the most that's, you know, at the end of the day, you know, um, yeah, family and friends, your community, having a place to, to, uh, to be able to be playful. Yeah. You're about to do some intensive training back in your third act domain of organizational dynamics. Is that right? Yes, it's a group relations conference and it's going to be very exciting. It's something that I've wanted to do for a number of years, but felt that I wasn't quite ready. And uh, group relations conferences are quite unique. I haven't actually done one, but I've heard about them. And they're mostly for people in um, management and or leadership positions, although those lines get blurred because we can all be leaders in wherever systems we're in, whether it's our family or, yeah, and sometimes we're an accidental leader mm -hmm. <laughs> or sometimes we're an awkward leader. But um, group relations conferences actually help you um, discover more about yourself and how you turn up. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts yet about where that might lead in terms of um, this third act that you're immersed in? Is it something that you might start drawing on consciously or unconsciously, do you think? Well, you used a word in that, in that um, thought drawing that I might draw on. And that's actually something that I have been doing since I was about three. It's why I became an architect, I think, because my mother actually said, well, you want to be a commercial artist or a creative artist, but you're going to have to stand on your own two feet. So what else could you do with the drawing that would be just a bit safer, you know, as a woman in case you have to? And, and she was right. Um, at the time, I think I hated it 
hated her for saying that because it meant dig deeper, look again. Um, and drawing is something that I will do in the conference for myself because it's, it's a way of discovering sometimes what can't be spoken about or what is hidden and drawing as I've learned um, is not just a technical exercise but one that's um, one of exploration and communication um, not that just for yourself but sometimes for others and you know that's one of the things that I learned in a in my um, system psychodynamic training is is that we have many tools to communicate many gifts to share and that we just have to find ways of discovering what maybe can't be said or can't you know what is not even known the unthought known and so the drawing can be very powerful and I want to use my drawing skills in new and fresh ways. I guess what I'm picking up from this too is a major component of the third act is, is, is the continual embrace of curiosity and learning um, that I think people that live great lives carry with them throughout. Um, this old notion that you retire and the blokes end up in the shed out the back tinkering with a lawnmower or or women end up sort of i don't know learning how to crochet or i mean that might be fun for a half an hour but i mean then what do you do there's there's stuff out there to explore and 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 learn um again uh i think the third act is 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 this fantastic opportunity to learn things that you've always wanted to learn. So kudos to you for ticking off the bucket list with all these fantastic projects that you're working on and the things that you're learning about. Um, how, how can we, how can people learn more about um, Guildford Lane? Do you want to give a plug to your community initiative? Oh, well, thank you. Um, I guess I will take the opportunity to say, come, come see Guildford Lane. It's a beautiful, place in the city that is like no other. Yesterday morning I was feeling a little bit blue and went out into the lane to just do my um, my check, what I call my check. And as I was there just watering a plant that hadn't quite received enough rain because it was tucked in the corner, so I had to notice that plant, there were Two, two, um, two incidents, multiple incidents of people um, walking down the lane. But I overheard a conversation that brought a smile to my face. A young man saying to another, I caught the lane on, in my camera and it was perfect. There were no people in it. But, um, and I thought, well, there should be people in it. But anyway, he thought it was the perfect picture. And he said, this is quintessentially Melbourne. And um, another young man came down the lane and he said, I love this lane. It is so cute. And I thought, <laughs> we're done here. That's great. I can go back inside. 
How lovely. Um, lovely. I'm pretty sure, uh, Catherine, we've, we've reached the end of our time. Are there any final words you'd like to say as our star third act, as you're um, receiving the bouquets from the from the audience? <laughs> Watch this space. All right. <laughs> Actually, that sums up the third act, doesn't it? That's really good. Yeah, I love it. Josie, I'm going to hand back to you. Catherine, thank you so much for